Hello everyone and welcome to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to share the leadership journey of an engineer whose career began in atomic energy and who has since led multiple businesses, both as chief executive and chairman. But most importantly, today's guest co-founded the School for CEOs in 2011 and today he's our chairman. Here, Patrick McDonald shares his story as a leader in business. I was particularly interested to learn about his first experience as a CEO, what it was like, how he dealt with surprises, and what he might have done differently with hindsight. I'm Gemma Soul, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So, Patrick, it's wonderful to have you on our School for CEOs podcast. Delighted to be here. Patrick McDonald is the co-founder of the School for CEOs and he's also been our chairman since 2016. And I'd like to start, Patrick, by asking you a really broad, simple question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask a little bit about your career journey to date. Oh, gosh. Um, so the potted history, I started off life as an engineer um, and I still am a qualified engineer. Um, and I worked briefly in atomic energy. I built warships for the Navy uh, I worked for, worked, worked for Unilever for many years, um, great company, still a great company, uh, in the news at the moment. Um, switched to business leadership rather than factory leadership, so I went to do an MBA at INSEAD, uh, joined Boston Consulting Group, um, moved on from Boston Consulting to uh, GE when Jack Welch was running it, uh, world's uh, most valuable company at the time, great, uh, great place to learn things. Um, came home, became chief executive of John Menzies, or John Mingus, if you're from north of the border, uh, which is a logistics company, um, and I'm still based in Edinburgh as a result. Uh, and for the last decade or so, I've worked in private equity um, as CEO, as consultant, as chairman, uh, and I currently chair the School for CEOs, and I chair a business called Corona, uh, which sells photocopiers and printers owned by private equity. So if you want a, a printer or a photocopier, let me know. Thanks, Patrick. When was it that you decided that you wanted to be a CEO? You started your career as an engineer. Yes, I don't know if I, I don't know really when I thought about being a CEO as such, but I definitely wanted to switch from being a factory leader, a technical leader, to being a business leader. Um, It was probably when I was at INSEAD that it became apparent that uh, a lot of uh, business leadership. hope and, and, and expectation is invested in that one person, the CEO. Um, so I, I would think from that point on it became apparent to me that that was the place to certainly try and aim for. Um, and, and as it turned out, uh, I, I got there. Um, at the time that I became Chief Executive John Menzies, the GE brand name was such that uh, you could make a big career step like that. Have you always felt that you were in control of your career? I don't know if you're ever in control of your career. Uh, I think you need to be, uh, I think of planned opportunism. So I think you need to have a plan. I think you, know where, you need to know where you're trying to get to. Uh, I think people used to talk in terms of having a 10-year vision. I think today that's uh, probably a little bit long. Uh, maybe a five-year vision is more realistic. Um, But things happen. Opportunities come along, uh, things go away, things work out the way you want them to, things don't work out the way you want them to, uh, and you've got to be ready for those opportunities. So you've got to put yourself in a place where you 
uh, can generate opportunities and find opportunities and take opportunities, but you can't make opportunities come along. And I love that expression, planned opportunism. So yeah. it's it's taking advantages of. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're 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 not in control, but you you can't guarantee things going to happen. But you can certainly move things in a certain direction. You can you can certainly influence your career very strongly. I'm really interested to learn a little bit about the early days and your first chief executive role at John Mingus. Uh huh. What, what what would you like to know? Well. Firstly, were you confident? How did you feel about that, taking on that role? So I think you have to be confident. Um, you have to be confident to do any job well, but you have to be confident to be a chief exec because you're being scrutinised from day one, from, from the minute you walk in. In fact, I, I know some chief execs tell me that from the minute they park their car in the car park, I didn't have a car to park in the car park, but uh, the minute you walk in the door, everyone is watching. Uh, so you have to project leadership to them. They are looking for that leadership. Uh, and they're investing a lot of hope and, and expectation in you. Uh, and you certainly need to be able to to model that for them. Uh, and you have to feel that yourself. You have to feel confident. You're going to be doing a difficult job, a challenging job, a demanding job. Um, a lot of people's uh, 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 livelihoods are, are resting upon you doing a good job. So you, you better be confident that you're going to do a good job. At the same time, I think you've got to have the humility to know that you don't know everything. In fact, on the first day of being a chief exec in a big new job, uh, there's an awful lot you don't know. Um, and I found a very useful thing was to ask people what they thought should be done. So someone would come to me and say, Patrick, you know, here's this situation. Uh, we could do X, we could do Y, we could do Z, and here are the ramifications. Um, and... There were times in the early days when I, I might not, you know, I, I definitely wasn't as well informed as they were. And I found a great thing was to say, well, what would you do? Uh, because most of the time, maybe 90% of the time, the answer they will come up with will be the right answer. Because uh, they've spent time thinking about it. They are the expert in that, in that subject. Um, they prepared themselves for this meeting. So they've probably got the right answer. Uh, and then, of course, the... the the thing is to make sure that you're asking the right questions so that you make sure that it really is the right answer, and then off they go. Uh, and so that in the early days, I found that very useful, and I, and I found that very empowering for the team as well, and that was the feedback that I got, that they, they liked being asked, what would you do, Patrick? You, you've talked about not knowing all the answers in the early days. Hmm. Did you have any surprises, or what, what was your biggest surprise in the early days, and how did you deal with that? So I think um, there were pleasant surprises and there were not so pleasant surprises. And I think it's very situational. So I think, you know, I've, I've, since, since running Menzies, I've been involved in lots of business situations. And uh, sometimes you walk in the door and after a week you're thinking, you know what, this is, this is rather better than I thought it was. There's, there's better information. The, the people seem better informed. They're, they're, they seem to be working well together. Uh, the, the business's situation, strategic situation, is better than I thought. All of those things can happen. That the investor is better, the board is better. Whatever you know, things are better than I thought they were. Um, I have to say, usually, and talking to, to other CEOs, usually things are not as good as you thought they were, and you've you've uh, either not done your due diligence properly, or uh, you've just you know we, we all naturally go in with with positive expectations and. and uh, with a positive mindset. So usually things are not as good as you expect them to be, and sometimes they can be much, much worse than you thought they would be. 
so generalising it, not, not particularly Menzies as such, but looking at all the situations I've been in, um, the key thing in the early days, you know, you'll have done your due diligence beforehand, but you just can't know as much looking in, looking in from the outside as you're going to know from the inside. So the key is to get in with your top team and start asking a lot of questions and finding out what's really going on and forming your own judgment as to what's really going on uh, and hopefully not finding any really nasty surprises. But there are bound to be things that aren't the way you want them to be. That's why you're there. You're there to change things. So you need to find out what those things are that you'd like to change uh, and then work out what you're going to do about it. It's interesting. We're talking about um, joining an organisation and coming into the CEO role. I'm interested in your thoughts on the different challenges that come with being an internal successor so your peers become your team. And have you any experience of that or the challenges that that brings? Yeah, so I, I was unusual probably. I, I've never, I'd never served on a board before I became a chief exec. Uh, so that was brand new. I, I hadn't even become an internal successor. You know, I'd moved from an enormous company, GE, to still quite a big company, but a smaller company. Um, so I don't really have experience of becoming the successor CEO. Um, but I think it is clearly different. You know, suddenly you are uh, the chosen one. Um, people tell me that uh, from the minute it's announced all the gossip stops you know you're no longer in the loop and, and I think that's the thing you know as as the boss you are both part of the organization but you are not part of the organization you know the organization wants you to be part of it you have to be you're in the same tribe but you're also not part of the organization you are somewhat separated your your job is to uh, from more of a helicopter position sometimes, direct what's going to happen and work out what's going to happen and come up with answers um, and, and help the team come up with answers. So you are both detached and not detached from the organisation at the same time. And you've got to get your head around how that's going to work for you and how to make that work for the team um, because it is different. It is, it is a different position from any other position in the organisation. And how did you deal with that isolation that's not really isolation from the organisation? I think everyone deals with it in the way that they deal with it, if you see what I mean. Uh, I, think, I think I go back to the humility thing. It's very, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're surrounded by people whose livelihood depends upon you thinking that they're doing a good job. So, and they're watching you very closely. Uh, and they will, you know, the, the danger is that they are feeding to you messages about how wonderful you are and, and you know, they're, they're, they are um, subconsciously as well as consciously, you know, they are following what you're, what you're saying and that, and that can become a dynamic that leads you to think that you're, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful uh, and of course you are, you're a chief exec, you're, you're, you're the superstar um, but you've got to remember that you're, you're, you are just another human being, you know, none of this matters as much as your family matters and the truth is that once you've gone, and you will go, once you've gone, you'll be forgotten very, very quickly. In fact, you'll be the person they blame for everything else that the, that, that the new guy or gal finds that they don't like. So you've got to find a way, to, in my view, to stay real. And, to, and humility is tremendously important and not taking everything too seriously. You know, being able to laugh at yourself and remember that you make mistakes every day just like everyone else does. So 
that some people find that an easy trick to pull off, some don't, um, and er everyone reacts differently. You know, some CEOs burn out after a year or two, some go on for years, some uh, find it very, uh, you know, find that they have a great ability to make this work for them, some find it very difficult. Sometimes things go wrong, things will go wrong, they're almost bound to go wrong, um, and they find that easy or difficult to cope with. You know, everyone is different, and that's the joy of it. Everyone gets to find their own way through, uh, but that's also the problem. Everyone has to find their own way through. What strikes me um, when you were talking there, Patrick, is you talked about the responsibility, and no matter how big the job, it is. You know, there are other things in life that are more important. Potentially, at the end of the day, your family, um, and having that perspective to see the bigger picture. Yeah, well, I, I think that's right. I think the, the, the CEOs that I most admire are those who keep things in perspective and who don't let it become uh, everything to them uh, and for whom their family uh, genuinely is more important than the job um, and yet find a way to do a great job as well. It's, it's uh, again, being real about it. You've only got so many years on this planet um, You've got to find a way to make that keep keep that in perspective. Who did you draw on for support as you were taking on um, chief executive roles and other chair roles? So there are various people to draw on. Uh, I mean, people say it is a lonely position, and it is. You know, you are in the end again detached and not detached from the organisation. Uh, it, it, it is up to you to make that work. Um, and I think you have to find the right relationship with people who can help you uh, not to become, on the one hand, uh, isolated, so uh, no man or woman is an island, but on the other hand not too dependent upon advisors and your chairman and all these other people. So there are various sources of, of help and support and guidance and advice. Um, your, your chairman, uh, your board, uh, your, I think if you're the CEO, your relationship with your finance director is very, very important. Um, the senior team but of course all of these things come with a certain agenda you know your, your chairman in the end can fire you your board can fire you uh, you can fire your, your CFO um, sometimes your senior team might uh, might try and get you fired you know so, so none of these uh, none of these sources of help advice whatever are without some sort of agenda and you have to think through how, how you're going to handle that there are other sources of advice, like a coach. Um, various stages I've had coaches, um, and they can be tremendously helpful. Um, and don't forget outside sources of advice. You know, mentors, people that you may have worked for in the past, and again, your family, um, who may know nothing about or very little about the business, um, but know an awful lot about you. Uh, and again, perhaps bring you bring you back to earth sometimes when you're when you've started to drink your own bathwater and believe that you are, in fact, uh, you know, some sort of super being, uh, you've got to remember you're not a super being, you're just a being. If you were to go back now and imagine you're stepping up into your first CEO role, what would you do differently with hindsight? Well, of course, with hindsight, there are all sorts of things I'd do differently. Um, I would say generally I would follow my instincts more and move faster and make more effort to bring everyone else with me. So the board, the chair, 
the team. Um, I think with hindsight, obviously there are a lot of opinions around a lot of inertia in an organisation, particularly a big organisation, um, and some of the board members want you to go faster, some are more cautious, some of your team want you to go, yeah, all, and of course there are lots of opinions as to what the business should do next. Um, and for me personally, as I say, with hindsight, I would have followed my instincts more, more sort of rigorously and quickly, but I would also have made more effort, uh, put more effort into, if you like, investor relations, board relations, uh, and bringing people with me. We've been talking a lot about values at the School for CEOs um, recently, and there's some values that are very striking um, that, are, that are coming out of this conversation for me personally um, in you, one of them being the importance of family, um, also noting how much you value your team and empowering your team. Um, I've cer certainly noticed you've asked me that question, what would you do many times over the last four years <laughs> that we've been what? working together? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I know, it kind of, it's, good, it's quite nice to know that actually. Um, I suppose what I'd like to get to is um, I'd be really interested to understand a little bit more about your purpose and what it is that really gets you out of bed in the morning. So, I mean, for me personally, uh, and I am an engineer, you know, doing a better job is very important. You know, becoming, becoming the best I can be, you know, building, improving my skills at leadership, at being a CEO. Uh, you can always do better. You, there's always something to learn every day. The day you stop learning is the day you're, you're not doing the job right. Um, so for me, it's, it's about trying to become better at what I do. And, of course, on a day-to-day -day basis, deliver a better job right there and then and to do whatever needs to be done and, and trying to do the very best that I can do right there and then. But for me, it, it's about that improvement. And if you were to give one piece of advice to a senior leader who's stepping into their first executive uh, role, what would that be? Under promise and over deliver. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, a lot of it is about expectation management. So, um, if if you tell your investors that you're going to deliver ten million pounds of profit next year and you deliver ten point five, everyone's delighted. Uh, if you told them you're going to deliver eleven and you deliver ten point five, everybody's very disappointed. Um, so, really understand. I think really understand where you can take the business to over the next time period. Don't do promise all of that because things don't always happen the way you want them to. Um, much better for everyone to be pleasantly surprised when the results come in. But, of course, the corollary is, flip side of that is, don't sandbag. You know, if you wander around telling everyone it's going to, you're going to hit four and you hit 10.5, uh, everyone will quite rightly feel that they've been misled. So... Uh, it's, it's a delicate balance of managing expectations so that uh, everyone comes out feeling that you've done well, that you've done a great job, and that you genuinely have done a great job. Thank you. And I have one last question for you, Patrick. If you were to give just one piece of advice to your children, what would that be? Be happy. 
go and do whatever it is that is going to make you, is going to fulfill you. Um, and uh, whatever that turns out to be, go and do it. Thank you very much, Patrick, for your time today. Thank you. You've been listening to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights podcast with host Gemma Soule and guest speaker Patrick McDonald, chairman of the School for CEOs. There is a straightforwardness about Patrick that I've always appreciated. Speaking to him in this episode reminded me of when I first joined the School for CEOs and he coached me to write in pub English. There's no need to show off how clever you are. Keep your messaging simple so everyone understands and that way they can buy into it more easily. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to hear other episodes, you can find our podcast through our website, www.schoolforceos.com forward slash thought hyphen leadership. And it's also available on Spotify or iTunes. Just search for School for CEOs Leadership Insights. Thanks for listening and see you soon.